Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about soybean seed treatments. And quite frankly, it's not just soybeans. These same seed treatments can get used in corn, wheat, many other crops, or at least some of these seed treatments we'll talk about today. If you've got any questions about seed treatments or anything else that's going on agronomically in your farm, We'd be more than happy to talk to you. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. When it comes to soybean seed treatments, I got many things that I guess I could talk to you about, but I will start with this. There are still some people who aren't big believers in soybean seed treatments, And I believe the main reason why is because they've used inferior products in the past. I look at even our own farm, on our own farm. 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, the soybean seed treatment products we were using were, I I mean, they weren't horrible, but they weren't great like we have now. So let me describe this just a little bit. We've got four different things that we're looking at here. Insecticide, fungicide, inoculant, and then I'm going to call it the other biologicals or naturals category because technically inoculant would fall into that biological or natural category, but I think you have to look at it a little bit separately and I'll explain why here in a second. When it comes to the insecticide, we really don't have any different choice than we did 10 years ago. It's a neonic. There are people out there who want to ban the neonics mainly because of the bee kills when neonics are used post-emerge. So I'm talking about things like as seed treatments, poncho, gaucho, cruiser, and this is exactly the reason why we don't talk about those active ingredients post-emerge. There are some products you could buy to spray it post, but then you're taking tremendous risk for bee kills, and then we end up potentially losing the neonics. It's not worth it. Don't spray it post. Just use it as a seed treatment. Anyway, the neonics are great uh, as a seed treatment, long-lasting, systemic, inexpensive, safe. It's pretty awesome. Okay, then fungicides. And this is where the biggest difference, well, one of the two biggest differences is from 10 or 15 years ago. With fungicides now, there are some newer products, but one of the other things is the fungicides have gotten so cheap, you, can't, you don't just get one. You're probably going to get four. So that's really nice. Broadens the spectrum, gives you better chance that you're going to kill some disease it may have built up resistance to one particular mode of action when you've got four in there that's awesome and that's what a lot of people are doing today and a lot of companies are doing today the biggest difference between 10 or 15 years ago is really in that other biological or natural category and you can say well inoculants have improved and they have all right, we got better inoculants today than we did 10, 15 years ago. So, I mean, just the inoculant alone can be worth a few pounds of nitrogen, and that's worth a few dollars an acre in some cases. I'm not saying always, but it definitely can help you. So we're huge believers in the inoculant portion. Inoculant's super cheap. But that other biologicals, naturals category. So on our own farm, we've used amino acids. We've used plant growth hormones. We've used nutrient solubilizers. We've used fungal endophytes that actually can live inside the plant and help the plant better survive stress. So we've used a whole bunch of things. What are we down to now and what do we think is the best? Well, it's the fungal endophytes and the nutrient solubilizers. 
And we've also seen much faster emergence with some of these products. So it's pretty exciting. I'll also tell you, if I go back, this is 25, 30 years ago, we started a seed lab right here on our farm. And we, I got to I really learn, all right, seed that is good versus seed that is bad. It doesn't necessarily mean, the bad seed doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't germinate. It may just mean, oh, it's abnormal. Well, we also started working then with seed treatments, and you could just see it immediately that the germination percentage was better, the abnormals were down. So, in other words, we just had a way better chance to have a better stand when we use the seed treatment. So it was kind of fun, and that was doing work way back then. Well, with the better products we have today, you have an even better shot. Just some other things you might consider looking for in with soybean seed treatments, depending on your provider. Things like free replants, free resprays if you have insects, uh, stuff like that. So I, I would just say there's a big difference out there between soybean seed treatments. We'd really encourage you make sure you're talking to your, your provider. I am of the belief that the soybean seed treatment is more important than picking the right soybean variety. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that picking the right soybean variety isn't a big deal, and it might even mean 10 or 20 more bushels for you, okay, from the top variety you could pick to the bottom one. But where I'm going with this is a lot of times you're trying to decide between four or five great soybean varieties. Which one of those great ones is going to be the top one this year? I don't know. You don't know. Your seed provider doesn't know. Nobody can guarantee you, hey, this one for sure is going to be the best yielder. And that's my point. I could take all five of those varieties, and if I put seed treatment on them, then I know I'm going to have, on average, higher yield. And I got a much better chance to maximize profitability on the farm in a lot of cases. So anyway, we'll talk about soybean seed treatments throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the Mailbag! All right, uh, first one comes in from KG, who says, guys, you're talking about manure and compost. Now, it's my understanding that if you use both, you should have better aeration of the soil and it should hold water longer. What's been your experience if you use both compost and manure? Would you see and expect to see those results? Well, I'd expect to see salt problems if you put too much of either on. We're limited, I'll just tell you, in most cases by salt. It's not the level of nitrogen or phosphorus or anything else. It's salt. You get too much salt on there and your yield starts going backward. So I really don't care if you go all manure, all compost, or half and half. Um... I don't think you're going to see a tremendous amount of difference in what you're talking about. I don't think it's going to change the soil all that much or anything else, depending on your mix there, but you're limited by salt. So don't be thinking, you know what, I'm going to put a full level of manure and then I'll also do a full level of compost. No, you'll probably get yourself into some trouble by doing that, at least in the short term. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Two by two by two systems have never been more popular. 360 has them in stock and ready to ship. 360 Bandit puts bands of liquid nitrogen in the sweet spot for early root interception and uptake. Both sides of the row, three inches from the seed, and just three quarters of an inch below the soil surface. Your planter can do more with 360 Bandit. In stock and ready to ship. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. 
Get what you spray for. Results. Blasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new battalion amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. back you're listening to ag phd radio We're broadcasting from the morton studio and talking about soybean seed treatments there are already farmers out there putting soybeans in the ground and i look at our own farm and it's like even if we wanted to plant soybeans extra early this year uh, it doesn't look very likely uh, we still got some snow to get rid of out there but it is going to warm up and we are going to get out there eventually and we we know there's diseases we know there's insects there's just lots of challenges to to getting a great stand and whatever we do with our seed investment we want to try to get a maximum return on investment so the best thing we could do is have a perfect stand and, and one of the ways to achieve that is having a great seed treatment talking to nick tinsley right now with basf nick how you doing Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, a little chilly here in central Illinois today, but you can definitely tell it's starting to warm up and people are getting anxious about getting in the field. Yeah, yeah. Things are going to turn around here in a hurry. And, you know, there are a lot of farmers that like to plant some beans first. There are farmers that like to plant beans and corn at the same time. Uh, there's just going to be all kinds of things going on out there. And when we think about the seed treatments in soybeans, they've just gotten increasingly more popular with farmers because they're seeing good results. So what are some of the things, Nick, that, that you'd say separates the, the best seed treatments from everything else? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think farmers are recognizing that, you know, doing everything you can to help ensure that you get off to a good start is key, right? And so why worry about that when you have such strong seed treatments out there that you can use to help protect your crop? And so when I think about what is a successful seed treatment, I think it's really taking a multi-pronged approach. And so you're going to want to have things in there like fungicides that are going against some of these diseases that can really threaten stand. And in addition to that, you know, an insecticide is very important for some of those early stand-reducing insects. And finally, there, there are so many other things that can be incorporated, things like nematicides to help control soybean cyst nematode, or inoculants and other biologics that can really be more offensive and help improve the top end yield that a grower is going to get out of that soybean crop. 
You know, you started with the fungicide piece, and I've been watching what BASF has been doing. It's multiple modes of action with fungicides. It's lots of different active ingredients. Uh, why is that so important? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And so, yeah, our fungicide, Obvious Plus, has four different active ingredients. And so the idea is that no single active ingredient is really going to get all of the diseases or be very strong against any one disease. And so taking an approach where you're able to have multiple active ingredients hitting on the individual diseases that are out there is very important. And I think it's also important to remember that some of these diseases are you know, they thrive in cold temperatures when it's wet and others maybe when it's warmer and a little drier. And so really having these different active ingredients is a great way to kind of hedge your bets and provide protection no matter what mother nature brings our way. Now, when you talk about that protection, some of the fungicides you're putting in have pretty decent activity moving up into the plant. How, how far into the season do we protect our plant? Do we improve plant health? Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the sanitizers really are there to help clean up that seed and, and get it off to a, a good start initially. But you're absolutely right. Most of these fungicides that we're using are systemic to some degree. And so they do move into the plant and provide some strong protection. You know, it's going to kind of depend on uh, the growing conditions and, and how fast some of these things are metabolized. But I typically think of, you know, a couple weeks after planting is really where you, where you would expect that protection to last. Yeah, there, there's certainly a long growing season in front of us here, but if we can get that, that plant off to a good start and have a great stand, uh, that that's a really good thing for us. The other thing with the insecticide now that's in many of the seed treatments out there, and a lot of farmers that have chosen just fungicide-only treatments are, are picking that insecticide because it's not that expensive, and it seems like we do get some control into the season there as well. Yes, absolutely. I think... One of the hard parts about managing insects early in the season is that these insects are very difficult to scout for. And so it can be very tough to know whether or not you're going to have a problem at all. And so taking an approach that kind of gives you a good level of protection into the growing season could help growers avoid something like an early season insecticide application at a time when maybe their mind is on something else. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, it's such a busy time of year. If we can put something on the seed, take care of not only that seed and the first few weeks of, of growth after that emergence, uh, it just takes a lot of weight off the grower's shoulders and just one more decision we don't have to make later on. We're talking with Nick Tinsley here with BASF about soybean seed treatments. Nick, thank you so much. really appreciate you sharing a little bit about what's going on with BASF and, and look forward to talking to you again. Hey, thanks so much for having me, and wish, wish everyone out there a safe planting season. Absolutely. Yeah, that is number one. We, we definitely need to stay safe out there so we can we can keep rolling. Uh, got Jeff Ellis with us right now with Syngenta to talk a little more about this. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, so when do growers get rolling down in eastern Kansas? Are, are they talking about planting beans here in a couple weeks, or when do things really get rolling? Yeah, they, I'd say planters have been in the field probably a week or two, depending on what part of the eastern Kansas you're talking about. So the southern part's been rolling for a couple of weeks, and I'd say the northern part of eastern Kansas is just getting going. When when you're looking at soybean seed treatments, is SDS a concern there, or what diseases are they most worried about? 
Yeah, I would say SDS is our, you know, uh, a pretty common disease, and and especially in the northern part of eastern Kansas and a lot of the river bottom areas, the lighter, sandier soils um, historically have had SDS issues. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of seed care that goes on, you know, by or protecting the seed against SDS. How about Pythium? That's another one that I know for, for us, we talk a lot about that one. I know there's new active ingredients coming. I knew, I know Viantis gets talked about quite a bit up here. Uh, is that something that's hitting the field there this year? Yeah. So in soybeans, um, it's referred to as Cruiser Max Apex and, uh, PCBX or Picard, Picard Butrazox is a, uh, is a new fungicide in the Cruiser Max Apex and, and it's an additional novel mode of action for Pythium. You know, Pythium, there's a lot of different species, and typically you have five to six species, you know, in a, in a field at any given time. So it's a, it's a new novel and mode of action, fungicide mode of action, that, that will help that soybean get out of the ground much quicker and, and off to a better start. But it's kind of fun to see new products coming. And we think about, well, just soybeans in general, uh, other than being able to spray Dicamba or 2,4-D or Liberty or Roundup, we really haven't had a lot of new options. But on the seed treatment side, there have been some big jumps forward. And, you know, for growers that are looking at seed treatments, I, I think one thing that we talk about sometimes is, well, we don't, we can't say, well, you're going to gain six bushels this year for sure. And you're going to gain five bushels specifically from the fungicides or anything like that. You don't know exactly what every acre of that field is going to be like for weather and soil condition and, and which diseases are present. But when you look over a period of years, uh, I know you've been gathering a lot of data, like with a new product launch, like Cruiser Max Apex, for example. Uh, what do you expect to see out of those seed treatments? Yeah, I think seed treatments are, are a good, safe sort of insurance for the, uh, for the grower and you know, if you look at multi-year data, you know, roughly nine out of 10 times, it's going to, you know, more than pay for itself. So, you know, we put, you know, one of the biggest inputs a grower has, you know, from a, from a cost standpoint is genetics, right? And so genetics have a certain yield potential. And I think seed treatments are one of the ways to sort of help maximize that genetic potential, the yield potential. And there's other things as you go throughout the season, such as weed control, but I think it all starts with seed care, getting it out of the ground, you know, more uniform germination, uh, just, you know, overall a healthier um, start to the season with, with seed care. Yeah, getting off to the best start doesn't always mean you're going to be successful the rest of the year because you can always have hail or weeds or bugs or whatever pop up later. But definitely we'd take that year in and year out. If we can get that better stand, we've got a lot better chance of maximizing our investment. Talking with Jeff Ellis here down in Kansas, works with Syngenta. Jeff, thank you so much. Appreciate having you on. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. You bet. You too. Talking soybean seed treatments on our show today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And... It can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do 
everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You understand there are ways to boost your yield, but can you do it while reducing your inputs? With Plant Insights, powered by Prospera, you can. With center pivot mounted cameras to monitor crop health, Plant Insights captures thousands of leaf level images with each pivot rotation. Growers receive reports to mitigate issues like pests, weeds, emergence, disease, and more. Put inputs where they matter most. Contact your local Valley dealer today or visit agtechonthefarm.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no! Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we get Emmett calling in right now from Southeast Missouri with a question about urea. Emmett, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? You're doing well. Yeah, we, uh, we have a seed bed that's absolutely perfect. And we've been mixing our, our P&K and urea with a field cultivator, high-speed disc or something. But we hate to mess it up. How much uh, benefit are we going to lose by laying it all on top, the fertilizer? Well, Emmett, you got three different types of fertilizer there, so let's talk about each one. If you're going to put urea on the soil surface without a stabilizer, you got two days to get rain. If you don't get rain in two days, you're going to start losing that urea at a fairly rapid clip. Now, you can treat it and put a stabilizer on, and that's definitely going to help you and buy you some more time before rain. So other than that, I don't care. So in other words, if you said, all right, it's going to rain tomorrow. Do I need to work it in or does it really matter? No, I, I don't care on the urea. As long as you get rain, you're fine. Now, the P and K are a little different story. 
Phosphorus is very immobile in soil. So if you lay it on the soil surface, you do no tillage, that phosphorus, for the most part, is going to stay on the soil surface. So you're not going to get a lot of benefit this year or even next year. So, or until you work that in. So that's my concern there. And then you're also at risk for loss to erosion. So if any of your dirt leaves or moves in the field, then your phosphorus also leaves or moves. With potassium, it's kind of in between. So if you get enough rain in light enough soil, you can really move the potassium down through, uh, even in heavy soil, over time, the potassium will work its way down. It's just, it's it's slow. Not nearly as slow as phosphorus, but it, it I mean, it'll move to some degree. So that's, I guess, my answer. I, personally, I prefer to see it worked in or injected in or something, put the fertilizer down on the ground. It protects the nitrogen. It also puts the P and K where you need it so you can get better utilization this year. But obviously, you can do whatever you want to do. If, you're, if your soil is already loaded up with P and K, it's not a huge deal. But if, let's say, you were kind of on the low side for P and K or even moderate level, you might want to get that down in the ground. Well, it, it would two inches be deep enough to sure. work it like with a yep. speed disc? Yep. Yeah. Now, it's now you're. Yes. Now you're down into the root zone. I, I mean, granted, I would prefer to see it a little bit deeper, but that'll be fine. You'll still get fairly good utilization this year. And in terms of that urea, two inches is okay. I mean, you're going to protect it fairly well, but there's still some risk of loss at two inches until you start getting rain. All right. All right. Well, that was my question. I thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for calling, Emmett. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. All right. Let's step back into our soybean seed treatment discussion. We've got Darren McDuffie on with Valent right now. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing well. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. All right. Uh, looking at soybean seeds, uh, I, I just think we plant so many soybean seeds out there that a lot of guys say, you know, if I lose some stand, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal because we don't just lose them. Oh, here's one out of every 25 seeds we lose. No, it's pockets where we have diseases and insects and nematodes and other things out there. So protecting that seed makes a lot of sense to me. And, and we are seeing it become more popular, Dare. Yes, I would agree. Um, you know, it, it's around. It's been around seventy degrees here all week, uh, where I am at in, in Indiana. But up north, it's it's still a bit colder, and people are still making decisions about their seed and what they want to put on it. And I would love to talk about an aspect of seed treatment that I think it, it's got lower adoption and it's a little bit less understood. And that is seed treatment nematicides and their primary target SCN. And you talked about stand. I mean, SCN is rarely going to take out plants like a, like a pythium or rhizoctonia wood, but it, it's kind of more of a hidden problem where you, your stand could look okay, but SCN is still doing its damage and, it, and you're going to pay for it when it comes yield time. You know, I, I've seen this out in the field there where uh, I had a grower, we did some nematode testing for, and his numbers were astronomically high and he still had plants that were living and were green but they were disappointing in yield. And then he had years where he just didn't get enough rain, and those areas would, would be terrible. They they would look bad. But if we had rain, it covered it up. Like you say, it, it can go invisible if conditions are good. It does. And and SCN, as a general problem, is expanding. Um, Dr. Greg Tilk at Iowa State publishes these great maps where it shows SCN by county. And in his latest um, update from 2017 to 2020, they found 84 new counties 
with SCN. And 87% of those were above 40 degrees uh, north. So you're talking upper Midwest, upper plains, northeast, and the soybean growing areas of Canada. So SCN is becoming a greater problem in some of these northern um, areas. And I think it's something that people need to start uh, considering up there as well, because it is a much easier problem to tackle earlier than waiting until, like you said, those counts get astronomically high. You're, you're really stuck with uh, some significant uh, management problems at that point. You know, certainly farmers are looking for different nematode-resistant traits, but the ones that have been out for a long time have not been super. They, they've been decreasing in how well they're working and protecting. We're seeing more nematodes colonizing on those roots. So uh, the challenge there has been we, we haven't seen a seed treatment nematicide that you could say, well, you don't need those nematode-resistant traits. Just use this treatment and it's going to be good. It seems like it's an approach that, that takes a lot of correct decisions to, to manage manage well you know th- th- there is no silver bullet um and, and we only have a couple tools and, and you really need to utilize them all you talked about testing that that's very important uh, sanitary procedures for equipment um, crop rotation is going to help a tiny bit um, but really it comes down to genetics and then getting a seed treatment to help support those genetics if you use all of those things together you have a good chance of, of managing this pathogen and and one such seed treatment nematicide is uh, a veo easy from Valent USA. It's a super low use rate biological seed treatment, quickly colonizes the root and it makes that root just a less hospitable place for that nematode to go through its life cycle. So like you said, it's not, it's not a silver bullet. It's not gonna do everything alone, but if each of these things chip away at the ability of that pest to go through its life cycle, um, over year over year, you're gonna see your counts go down and have successful management. You know, one thing that farmers haven't liked about chemical nematicides is is there's some safety concerns with many of those products. You mentioned Aveo is a biological, and that has to take a lot of that fear away. It does. I mean, we're we're away from the way older days where, you know, you would go through fumigation and, and then super harsh insecticides, and then we've, we've gone to um, high-use rate fungicides and, and even a, a product that came onto the market and left very quickly because of its uh, concerns. But yeah, Aveo being a biological, easy to use. Um, it, you know, biologicals fall into two categories, tough to keep alive or hard to kill. And, and Aveo is the hard to kill one. So it's going to um, stay healthy in the bottle, stay on that seed until you plant. And like I said, quickly colonize the root, do the job that it needs to do and uh, continue growing with the plant the whole season, which is something that some of those older nematicides weren't able to do. Yeah, lots of advantages there with the with the biologicals, talking about Aveo and seed treatments in general with Dare McDuffie with Valent. Dare, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. I oh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Brian, uh, a couple of, a couple other things that we didn't really hit on, inoculants. Uh, that's one where we get a lot of questions about, hey, can I treat my inoculant now? I might not plant for a long time, and okay. then just naturals in general. Yeah, well, I'm going to fill the rest of this segment with inoculant talk. So let's. I'll give you the disclaimer right there. A lot of people say, hey, I've got an extender with my inoculant, so I can treat the beans way in advance. All the data I have ever seen shows that even with the extender, your bacteria start to die almost immediately. Now, they're not going to die at as fast a rate, but I just kind of look at what would I rather have, 100% of my product going in the ground or 90, or would I rather have 70% going in the ground? I I mean, as much as I can, I want to try to treat and then plant right away. 
granted, I mean, things happen on the farm all the time. I understand that. That's why it is nice to have the extender, so at least you get a little extra time. And there are a ridiculous amount of live bacteria that are going to be there, even if you do have some death of the, or, and even a fairly good rate of mortality with your inoculant. But we've always seen better results when we can treat it and plant it right away. On top of that, look for rhizobia bacteria counts that are high in these inoculants. And then obviously you want to try to find good strains of inoculants that can do a good job providing nitrogen for your plant. We'll talk a little bit more about soybean seed treatments and get to your questions right after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. 
We're live in the Morton studio talking soybean seed treatments today and taking your calls and questions. If you've got any questions for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call here in the Morton studio, 844-44-AG-PHD. So right before the break, Darren asked about inoculant and then other biologicals. Well, I talked a little about the other biologicals earlier, but I guess I'd just encourage you to do this. If you haven't been using anything for a biological other than inoculant, try some stuff out. Just about every seed company, just about every ag chem retailer that I know of has one or two or six different biological products that they'd be more than happy to sell you. (laughs) But the big question everybody has is, well, does this one work or is this one better? What, What am I supposed to do here? So you can certainly talk to people in your local area, see what has worked for them. I mentioned earlier on the show, for us, we've liked fungal endophytes. That product is heat shield. We've liked nutrient solubilizers. That product is NutriCycle. Those have been the two that have been best for us. But again, you can try some things out. You can talk to people in your local area. I guess the, the big thing that I would say is there is going to be Well, there already is a big push toward biologicals, but you're going to see a lot more of that in the future. I was talking to a group yesterday about if you just ask the average person here in the United States how they feel about pesticides, they're going to say, "Um, I don't like pesticides, even though they really don't know much about them and they don't know how safe they are. I would argue that most are quite safe. And if they're used properly, they're fantastic for raising better crops, providing more food for the world, keeping our food prices cheap and safe. In fact, safer than sometimes if you don't use the pesticides. So anyway, my point here is if you look at our government, the governments in Europe, um, in a lot of places around the world, they are really pushing to say, you know what, we're going to do everything we can. The new pesticides either aren't labeled or they take forever to get to market. But in the meantime, if you can come up with biological answers, natural products, we're happy to approve those almost any day. So that's why a lot of the big companies have been sticking a higher percent every year of their research into these biologicals and naturals. So because of that, I I mean, we all know how this thing works. The more research and development dollars go into anything, the better it gets over time. So do I think that we've got the best products we're ever going to see today for biologicals and naturals? No, we're going to have better stuff moving forward. And I just don't want you to fall into the trap of, well, just like for us on our farm, our dad was not a believer in biologicals at all. Thought it was snake oil, foo-foo dust, whatever. And at the time, he was probably right. But today, there are billions of dollars getting poured into the research and development on these things. And I'm not saying all the new, new products are good. Some are good, some fit in certain situations, some are overpriced, and some just flat out don't work. But what I am telling you is you got a lot better chance today to find something good than he did even five or ten years ago. Try some things out. We've had fantastic success. And I can just tell you, I'm not going away from biologicals and naturals in my soybean seed treatment because it has made an enormous difference for us. Faster emergence, more nutrients in the plant, better stands, better overall yields. 
I mean, you can even visually see it sometimes in the growth on the plant when we do our side-by-side work. So it's been kind of fun. I'd just say, yeah, I mean, many of these things, it's not like they're worth a tremendous amount of dollars. But if you're already getting fungicide and insecticide, you already know that, hey, I got to have inoculant. That obviously makes sense. You're already spending most of the dollars there anyway. If you get a 2 to 5 or $8 add-on for a biological, it's not much. You wouldn't have to have a whole lot of yield gain. And if you are going to start running some experiments, yeah, I'll try half a planter with this on a couple of fields. Just make sure you're looking closely for the yield gain. Because let's say you, you spent five extra dollars. Well, I mean, soybeans are worth like $13 a bushel for new crop, 15 for old crop. Um, you don't need, even one bushel would double or triple your money. So if you get it, let's say you had a two bushel gain. Well, it'd be a tremendous return on investment if you look at percentage. But are you going to visually notice a two bushel difference in your combine? No. You going to see it on your yield monitor? No. You going to see it on your yield maps? No. So you got to you got to be checking very closely if you're going to actually determine, hey, this paid or it didn't. So I guess those are my biggest pieces of advice. Darren, anything else on soybean seed treatments? No. Let's dive uh, back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. Get this one that came in from David, and he said, guys, uh, choosing between a couple of products here, would you prefer Zidua or Anthem Max pre-plant to lay down some residual for early spraying on corn and soybeans? Okay, so first of all, Zidua is a group 15 herbicide similar to Dual, Outlook, those kind of products. Anthem Max is Zidua, or the active ingredient from Zidua, plus Cadet. Cadet has a little bit of residual, and it's a PPO with pretty good burndown activity on broadleaf weeds. So it all depends on the price. I mean, in my geography, we can get Anthem Max cheaper than we can the Zidua. So if that's the case for you, well, then if I get the same active ingredient plus another active ingredient for less money, then I'm going to lean toward that way. But if you've got, if you're able to get the Zidua cheaper, well, then you have to say, all right, is that cadet component worth something or is it not? And it may or may not be in, in your case. I'll also tell you this. If you're talking about soybeans, you want better control than just Anthemax or Zidua, in my opinion. I think you want better control because we don't have the best products posed to merge like we do in corn. In corn, I got status. I can kill everything that there is, period. Also in corn, I've got the super cheap option where I can go with Callisto or the uh, generic plus a little bit of atrazine. Really cheap and fantastic on weeds. So I've got better options post-emerging corn, and corn takes off and gives you crop canopy way sooner than soybeans. So I get so many advantages in corn that I don't have in beans. And what I'm saying here is I, I really don't like Zidua or Anthemax pre in, in, in beans. I'd rather have you do the three pre's that we talk about all the time. Get a, get a great PPO out there in Cadet, so I'm talking Valor Authority. Get Metribuzin out there, and then use a yellow instead of a Group 15. 
That's what I would do. Then I'd save the Zidua or the Anthemax for early post. So on our farm, for example, we're going to raise some conventional beans this year. And as I'm sure you know, there aren't a lot of options post-emerge for weed control and conventional beans. That's why people switched to Roundup beans 25 years ago. We still basically have the same herbicides as we did way back then. So what I would tell you is use the three pre's down, then follow with the Anthemax or Zidua. Now you've really got something. You got more modes of action. You're going to have fantastic weed control, and that is the direction that I would go. All right, another herbicide question for you. This one comes from Nick. He said, I sprayed Treflan and tilled it in. I'm wondering, can I plant corn into this, nope. or will it hurt my corn? Yep. I'm not going to say it's going to kill it, but um, it's it's going to severely stunt it. So, nope, if you put trifluralin on, you are stuck with soybeans or another crop that would be tolerant to trifluralin. But that crop is definitely not corn. Can't plant corn there for a long time. No, it is important to be careful and also to communicate what what's going where. We talk about a lot on our farm, which which field is going to which crop, and yeah. sometimes and, we make changes. And if yeah. we ever make a change... We need to make sure we let everybody know. Like for example, we had a field that was we were thinking about going alfalfa on this year, and we decided, you know what? It's just going to be all soybeans. It was just going to work out better to go soybeans. We well, hadn't put anything out. We hadn't though. put anything out yet. <laughs> but if we had put the Eptam out, then you kind of got to call a spade a spade. All right, well, we got Eptam yep. out there now. Soybeans now have been dead. Now we're stuck. But anyway, thanks for the question. Really appreciate yeah. that. So you're going to have to wait for corn till next year. Get to more of your calls and questions right after this as the Ag PhD mailbag continues. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Got our friend Mark on over in Wisconsin right now with a question. How you doing, Mark? Good. How are you, Darren? We are doing pretty well. I hear you had some pollination issues on corn last year, and I guess I just wanted to say you're not alone in that. There are a lot of guys that had issues last year with just some of the heat and some of the dry weather. Yeah, well, the issue I had was it was really dry when the corn pollinated, and then we got a really nice rain, and the corn silt sent out more silks. But by that point, there was no pollen left to pollinate these silks. Yep. yep. So this year I'm planting a blend between uh, 88-day to 96-day. And the 96-day is a really late pollinator, is really late pollinating. Sure, sure. Yeah, you're spreading hey, the pollination so, window out. I mean, it makes complete sense. Well, every... every I'll say this, Mark. There's there's a lot of different ways to do it. One, you could plant a blend of seed maturities. That's that's absolutely an easy way to do it. You just plant the blend and go. Other guys will split the planter, have multiple hybrids that way. Maybe they have, uh, like yep. you say, hybrids with five to ten day different window. And that way, if they want to, they can harvest the earlier stuff out there ahead of the later day stuff if they need to. Or, or put the end, end rows to the earlier stuff. I mean, each plant that you've got out there can produce two to five million pollen grains. Each plant, it's crazy how much pollen a plant can produce. Yeah, so it doesn't so you take don't, a you lot. You don't need a lot. You don't need a lot. So you, you can do it a number of different ways. If you wanted to be able to harvest those different maturities separately, that's one way to do it. And if you just say, you know what, I'm just going to mix them all and call it good, you can do it that way too. Okay. Is it going but for grain, far... Mark? Is it going for grain or is it going for silage? 
is going for grain, and I'm just nervous about the 96-day actually getting ripe. So I just don't want to have, I mean, if I plant, say, 40 bags, how many bags do I need to, I mean, yes, I know in theory it produces all kinds of pollen, but realistically, how much is this pollen going to really spread out over the whole field? I mean, it's going to spread pretty well. So wind will, yes, wind will move it pretty good. I mean, we have, well, in a lot of areas, there's, there's good wind just about every day. So that, that's one of the things we're always after is we don't want constant rain during the pollination period because then the, the pollen doesn't get the chance to move around a little bit. So you talked about dry, this, you don't have to worry too much about the pollen moving. So I, I am kind of, okay. well, I, I, yeah. So like Darren said, you could certainly put this in a part of the field or maybe it's on on both sides or something like that. And then you can get in the middle and harvest all the early stuff if you want to do it that way. Yeah. And you certainly don't have to spread that maturity out that much if you don't want to. Because as soon as you said, oh, I'm nervous about this making it, we have enough things already to be nervous about in agriculture. I hate right. to add too many more. <laughs> okay, so like one in 20 bags would be enough. Probably, maybe. probably. It all depends okay. on how it's spread around. That's part of why I said another option is you put it around the end rows. That means you've got the field totally surrounded with something. But I, I mean, or okay. you put it uh, on one side of the field and on the other side of the field, not just on one end. Because if the wind is, let's say, out of the same direction for fives in a row, all of a sudden your pollen all blows maybe away from the field instead of toward it or whatever. Okay. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right, Brian. Good. good uh, That's a good question, though, Darren. It, it is we, a really good question. I don't know that we've spent much time talking about that here on the show, but we've suggested that coming out of these last couple of drought years to many people, get multiple varieties out there in the same field, and that's part of the reason why. Because if you've had pollination issues before, you shouldn't be having pollination issues on your farm. Now, granted, maybe you have some fertility things going on and other stuff, and I get it. Drought stinks. Okay, but we want to well, have a wide window for pollination. Here's, here's one other thing. We should have probably mentioned this with Mark. Two, two other things here with pollination. One, uh, we need to have the right amount of boron in the plant. Sometimes we yeah, have some true. issues if we're short of a nutrient like boron. And the second thing is plant growth hormones. Uh, so there's a product that, that we're using right around pollination timing to improve viability of that pollen. It's a product called Inertia. And that's something we'd put on when we're putting on a foliar fungicide on corn. Um, you could use plant growth hormones to try to help with that too. Uh, but but yes, I, I do like Mark's strategy of, hey, let's have multiple hybrids in the field and spread that pollination window out. I think that's a smart move. Okay, uh, I got a question that came in from James. He said, guys, uh, I'm sending you some soil samples here with low potassium levels, but I'm really wondering why. I was told that this field has had cattle manure after cattle manure after cattle manure. How come I don't have much potassium in this field? Well, you don't have a lot of phosphorus. You don't have a lot of zinc. You don't have a lot of iron. You don't have a lot of copper. (laughs) 
So it appears to me that uh, they may have put manure on there for many years, but they didn't, either didn't put a lot on or they got tremendous yields and sucked all those nutrients out. I, I, I mean, doesn't really matter why. The fact is you just don't have a lot of nutrients and you don't have a lot of anything. So you got to get her loaded up again. Now, if let's say you told me, okay, I've got access to lots of cattle manure and I want to load this ground up, I'd tell you go for it, but be a little bit careful about salt. That's our number one concern all the time when we talk about manure or compost. You're probably anymore with the big time yields that a lot of people are getting out there. You're probably not going to be limited with the, the nitrogen or the phosphorus. You could probably use all that up in a season, whatever you could put out there. The challenge is the salt you're going to run into this, your salt limit before you're going to hit your limit on nitrogen or phosphorus is my guess. So just be careful about that. Uh, you don't want to overdo it on salt. But yeah, you got to have more nutrients out there. You're really low on almost everything. All right. Thanks, Sorry. For, the, thanks <laughs> for the question. Uh, this one comes from Rick out in New Hampshire. And he said, guys, uh, I'm curious about GPS and marking things out of my fields. In other words, I've got a farm property. I want to mark where a culvert's at or a crossing or a rock or a stump or something like that. Uh, is there an app that you guys use to do this? Uh, do you just use your phones? What do you do to mark those spots out in fields? Well, typically our, our, our guys that work for us on the farm using the technology that's in their tractor or combine, they'll mark it that way. And so, yeah, it is marked with GPS, but I mean, the more accurate way would be doing it with your phone where you're literally on the spot. Because think about it, when you're with the tractor, are you actually sitting directly over the spot or with a combine or anything else? So, I, it, yeah, I, it all depends on how precise you want to be with these things. But you can be super precise. That's one of the great things, too, like with the tile that we put in anymore. I mean, we have that, It's we're using RTK GPS. We know exactly where that tile is, the depth, everything. It's fantastic. So, I mean, there are ways to do this very accurately, and there are many different programs, systems that you can do it with. What we always tell people is, hey, RTK GPS is going to be the most accurate. So when you're using that with your, with your farm equipment, generally speaking, it's pretty darn accurate. Well, and having a program that everyone on your farm shares, and that's I think, is a, is a big deal. I, I'll give you an example. We had uh, a, a couple of interns here a couple of years ago in the summer, and they were going to go out and mark where they had done some some flag testing for emergence in a field. And anyway, they, they were checking that spot, and, and everybody kind of knew where it was, but they marked it on a program on one person's phone that didn't get shared with anybody else. So then going out to try to take those flags out uh, at one point, uh, we couldn't really find them right away. <laughs> and it took people searching around in the field to find it because it wasn't exactly where, where everybody thought it was. So, yeah, having a program that everybody shares is kind of nice, especially when you about rocks or something like that. You, you don't want to hit that. If you do hit it once, you want to mark it and uh, be able to come back and find that as soon as you can before somebody hits it again. Hey, thanks for the question. We do appreciate that. If you have a question for the Ag PhD mailbag, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.